Welcome to Chica and the Man. And I'm your co-host, Sonia Iris Lozada, and I am Chica. And I'm Alex Greenwood, and I am the Man. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Chica and the Man. Alex is off doing something this month, so he's out for June. But this month, we have Chica. And the woman. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) We have a woman. And her name is Evelyn Eckerd. For those of you that follow me on my podcast, she is my sister. So I needed someone to banter. And who better to banter with than your sister? That's right. Yes. so (laughs) So how are you? Good, good. Enjoying uh, this Sunday morning. So life is good. No complaints, right? Yeah. And you know, it's a, this will be a belated Father's Day for everybody, Mm -hmm. but happy Father's Mm -hmm. Day. Mm -hmm. And this will come out at the end of June. And Alex, happy Father's Day. You better be listening. (laughs) That's right. Happy Father's Day to all. Yeah, definitely. All everyone out there. So tell me, what do you want to banter about? Ooh, wow. There's so much. We, we could we could talk about sibling rivalry. <laughs> we got we, we really got a little history a, there. Do we have really a lot of rivalry though? Uh, you know what? It's so funny because when we were growing up, I don't really remember us even hanging out. Like we're five it years is. apart, and mm-hmm. you know, you had your friends, and you were always salsa dancing in the in the living room. <laughs> That's what I remember. And I think I hung around my brother more or our brother, I should say a little bit more. I was more of a tomboy. (laughs) Yes. You were an ROTC, is it? I was in a drill team. Yeah. So I, so funny you mentioned that I was in a drill team. It had, you know, the big kids were in there and I was, I was the young kid that was accepted into this Latin drill team, which was, pretty cool at the time when you think about it because we were a marching band and we went all over Illinois and uh, we were the only (laughs) Latino marching band out there in some of these parades which was which was pretty cool you know the the big kids had the moves right with the rifles and stuff and I always wanted to do that I got stuck with symbols like I was (laughs) I was a you know, short, frumpy, fat kid with these two big symbols. That was attractive, <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. I think I still have a picture. And uh, our brother, Jose, used to carry it around in his wallet. And it was just, I would mortified. Like, why do you carry that picture? <laughs> you know what? It's sweet at one point because <clears throat> he, like, wants a picture of his sister. But at the same time, you feel like he's going to, like, you know, show everybody so that he can yeah. like blackmail he, you. For he some is reason. torturing me. It's a slow <laughs> torture. And to this day, I don't forgive him. But anyway, it uh, it was it was a it was a pretty cool time, I think, as an awkward kid, right? Going into a drill team. But on this drill team, did you have like salsa music or Spanish Latin? There was it or was it the typical marching band music? It was typical marching band, but, but what they did was they did some really cool moves. I actually remember to this day because I did end up, I graduated from the symbols to the actual rifle team. So there was, there was different sections. So there was a band, I was in the band and uh, the cool kids played the drums, Mm -hmm. you know, 
the not so cool kids had the symbols. <laughs> and then there was a rifle team and the rifle team just kind of did some cool maneuvers with the rifles and some march moves. And then I forgot his name. The band was called Luis A. Mandonado, and it was actually named after someone who was in the band who tragically died. And mm-hmm. so they renamed the band that. And I want to say his name was Angel Pena, who was like the band leader, put this together mostly out of like the YMCA that was around the corner from our grade school. Mm-hmm. That's where we practiced and everything. And I, I, I guess I just wanted to be part of that. I thought it was pretty cool at the time to be with the cool kids. But it uh, was a YMCA by school because it was like Emerson House. Yeah, Emerson House was off of Wood Street. And then if you went to an album, I don't know if it was Walcott, but um, so, you know, Talcott and, and Rosie's across the street who, who didn't know that. But if you went west to the street, that's west and I, it may be Walcott. So it was like Wood, Walcott, Damon. I think that's how it went. Yeah. So on Walcott, right around the corner, of the block Rosie was on around the corner, there was a YMCA. Well, you know, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Well, I left home at 17. So Mm -hmm. there was a, uh, you know, you and uh, Jose had a lot of time to hang out and do things. But Um, that was our younger years, though. Well, you were closer in age, though, too. He's what, two years older than you or something? Two years older than you. Yeah. Yeah. What I remember, you guys were such brats. You would always be fighting and then you'd be hugging each other. And one of the things he because he was always doing something to you or you were always doing something to him. And this is sad because, you know, you could tell that we were like not wealthy or <laughs> we were like not even middle class. We were poor. He would sleep on a cot in the living room and you would fold one of the legs up. Oh, yeah, always. So when he would take a dive, he would just slide off. Yeah, <laughs> always. He would do a run and jump into his his bed, which was the cot, right? The rollaway bed. Yeah. Yeah. You would tuck in a leg. And so <laughs> <laughs> he would like Once, end up on the floor. <laughs> he oh, he was so mad at me. Yeah. Oh, I remember him teasing you and Maria and I were studying in the kitchen her, her school. He ran by, locked himself in the bathroom, sit on the tub and put his feet up against the door. And you're like banging at it. I'm going to kill you. I'm gonna- <laughs> <laughs> it was either that way or the opposite of that. I was in the bathroom like that was the place to because I don't think any other doors in the bedrooms. had. I don't think we, we had doors any in the bedroom. Doors. No, we, we had curtains. Had curtains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those there were no so, doors to the bedrooms. So funny. Um, Yeah, that was, you know, that building is now gone. But Mm -hmm. there was so many great memories. I mean, this is like really talking about going back to the hood kind of living when someone would buy a refrigerator or a stove and we would take the box and we would get in the box and throw ourselves down the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That was fun. That was fun. We never got hurt, but we would just like that was like a little slide. You know, we used the steps to get in your box and, and slide down. We would do some dangerous stuff for sure. Yeah, we were always put it always got hurt. (laughs) Remember three outs? 
which is, I think that it's a form of pinners. If people know what pinners is, you, you play just like baseball. You take a rubber ball and you hit it on the corner of a stair and play mm. baseball the same way. But we were all in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. We and, did. Yeah. And then car coming and we would all like move out of the right. way. <laughs> right. Another thing that we did was pretty dangerous is the fire hydrant. We would open the fire hydrant because it's so damn hot and humid in Chicago and nobody had air conditioning in our building. Mm-mm. We would turn on the fire hydrant. The police would come by and give us the wrench to turn it off. We turn it off and then we'd come on a little while and open it back up. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the the tire that went around the hydrant and then yeah. they would put a big, big Board. piece of wood? I mean, I think that people who grew up in New York and Chicago, they they definitely know that right like, right I remember going into there and the fire hydrant was so strong it pushed me out into the street mm. and I fell and I hit the tire of a coming car mm. and I thought that's it if I go into this car I'm dead mm-hmm. I, I, I remember being so scared that's dangerous yep you know I just flashed to where you can see that hydrant like that and it was in the godfather the moment where I'm terrible with names. I, I'll forget. But um, one of the characters is beating up his his brother-in-law and he's beating him up outside. <laughs> and the fire hydrant is up because he yeah. ends up beating him to a pulp in the fire hydrant in the gutter there. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Sonny and Sonny his... was the one who was beating. him yeah. up. Yeah. 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 That, that was those first two films. Was it two? Or, yeah, yeah the third was, one was, and the mm, first two were incredible. Amazing. Yeah. I still watch them every, every, every year, at least once. The, like, I mean, it's, it's amazing how <clears throat> you can see such wonderful filming and acting mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all of that, and how everybody just worked perfectly in that film. I remember being at high school at Holy Name Cathedral. And you ended up going there, too. Mm -hmm. Did. Yeah. And so we would always hang out on Rush Street. Did you ever do that? We Mm -hmm. would we would um, leave school after school. We'd go to Rush Street if I didn't have to go to work because I was working at Marty Nye Accounting because I had high uh, math math skills. Mm -hmm. And so they they got me an accounting job. So that's how I end up. I'm still to this day do accounting. Never Boy, they pigeon, they pigeonholed you. They gave they, you all this experience. Yep. Listen was, to that, kids. Don't go do something you love. <laughs> yeah. And no, we didn't go to Rush Street. We went. We went by Navy Pier. There was a little beach by Navy Pier. So we ended up going there, and then there was a park. It, it eventually, I think they closed it down, the park. But we would we would go there on every Friday. Did you have half days on Friday? Like every Friday was half days. Mm -hmm. And we would go over to North Beach or whatever it was called, North Street Beach. We would walk to we would walk to Oak Street, but we Mm -hmm. would go up to North Avenue. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then you know, walk the opposite way. Yeah. And then we would walk back and take the bus. I would go and then we would go and hang around division mostly. The beach on division, Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of division. And do you remember? the shrimp place that dad used to take us to and we would get a bag of shrimp. Mm -hmm. You remember that? Mm -hmm. We used to do that too. We used to um, go by there and Irma 
used to be able to drive. So sometimes we would just, you know, if Irma was around, because she graduated before we did, but we right. would go to Lincoln Park. Yeah, we always went more north, even though right. I love Navy Pier. I love Navy Pier. It's well, Navy Pier wasn't even accessible. It was just the park around Navy Pier. It wasn't open like what it is now. I think later on they did some concerts out of there because I remember watching. I remember uh, the concerts. Billy Squire. <laughs> oh my God, there's a name I haven't heard in ages. <laughs> I know Billy Squire. So it was literally a Navy Pier <laughs> closed down mostly and not accessible. I'm so happy what they created, right? Because it's primo real estate and it was not being used. Right, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. Now it's like the place to hang out in the summer. They always have Mm. free concerts. People go and lay out in the grass. They take their picnic baskets. They take everything with them and they just enjoy the concerts. It's really crowded though. Yeah, now it does. Yeah. Yeah, back then there was like no one around. We were at that little beach and we would find someone who can uh, who looked old enough to buy a spear. I was a senior, so I was like not of age, of course, (laughs) but sometimes we would have beer or we would party with like milk and donuts. We did that. We partied with milk and donuts, too. Wow, that's you you don't think milk and donuts is like little kids. You don't think high school like popular kids being eating (laughs) donuts with milk. I know. It was either that or beer. So yeah, <laughs> what a combo, right? I know. So when did they open Navy Pier? Do you know? I don't. I don't. I don't remember. And also, when did they change the drinking age? Because when I lived in Chicago, it was mm. 19 for beer and wine and 21 for everything else. And so you would wear a band telling them that you could only have beer or wine, but then they changed it to 21 for everything. So I don't mm. know when that happened. When I was there, it was 19. No, no, we, we, I think it was 21. I don't know when they changed that, but I, I remember wanting to go to Wisconsin to party because it was 18 in Wisconsin. <laughs> well, that was a, the big uh, argument was that at 18, if you're, old enough to go to war, you should be old enough to have a drink. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal when, uh, you know, that I remember people fighting about. You want us to go to war, but you won't let us have a drink. That was a big issue at that time. Yeah, you wonder, well, and no one should drink at 18. <laughs> now that I'm older and wiser, we're like, you're only going to get into trouble. Not only that, you're starting a habit that's Mm -hmm. probably not going to be good for you later. Like Mm -hmm. I used to think it was, I think that, well, to me, drinking was never a big issue because we always had wine at home and our parents weren't strict with it, you know? Right. I mean, unless you count that time you were like, what, five or seven years old and you drank a whole freaking bottle of Morgan David. I thought it was grape juice. <laughs> and then mom who has a I, big jug like that that looks like grape juice. <laughs> but you drank right? you liked it because you drank the whole damn thing and then you were so oh sick. Mom God. thought you were gonna have alcohol poisoning. I I bet. I, I can't even imagine. I was looking to see what your Navy Pier opened. I it just showed 1916. So 
<laughs> it was available back then. <laughs> Well, 1916, probably for the military, not for us. Right. Literally when Navy Pier was built and opened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the high school was interesting, going to a Catholic high school. And you guys were out of uniform, right? When you went, were you in a uniform? Well, when, when we first started, we were wearing uniforms and we fought for casual Fridays. And then I think in the last year, we didn't have uniforms at all, but we had to dress nice. We couldn't wear jeans. We couldn't wear sneakers, but we were able to wear what we wanted. I think that's what happened. We fought for that. I mean, now I think those uniforms are kind of cool, but at the time to have to wear the same thing every day was so not cool. <laughs> I think it did prevent people from economic where it was located was downtown so you had people from downtown going to school dressing a certain way Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then you had people like us taking the bus to get to right yeah to get to school and the one savior for me was that it was like still like the punk stage so so it was okay to wear you know your torn up jeans and things that yeah, we I think we ruined this. We ruined the policy. I think after us, they put them back into uniform. I don't know. But we were kind of dressing the way we wanted to. And it was just a little more edgy. Yeah, because of the time. But it was it was still I just remember it was still a good time. It was still yeah, it was a good time. I remember Maria and I we would sew our clothes because we wanted to have nice clothes to wear Mm, for school. mm -hmm. So, and we were the same size. So I would make something and then she would have something. Then we would trade it off because we, so we looked like we had more outfits, but we were very fashionable because we would make like our own clothes that nobody else had. And that's what got me into fashion design. And I went to study fashion design after high school. Mm. Yeah. Cause I just didn't I like designing my own stuff. I didn't want to have the same thing everybody else did. That's so true. I mean, you could be so unique and you're pretty creative. So that would that would be just, you know, right up your alley. It was. And so I I enjoyed fashion school. I'm glad I know it. I don't want to. It's not a career that I wanted to pursue. I thought I would, but Mm. after doing it for a while, I'm like, I don't. It's like when you you learn a skill and then you go and you work the actual skill and you're like, oh, wow, I don't want to do this, you know? Yeah. Said probably every person who graduated from college. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and they really that's where it's so important, I think, in college to get work experience Mm -hmm. because you study for four or five years for a skill. And then you're like, oh, I studied so long for this. And some people feel trapped. They get into that trap where I studied for. So that's what I have to do. But no, you could do so many different facets of the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like me, I'm creative and I do accounting. So I work for music companies or film companies. I'm around creativity. And, right. you know, you can always use your skill for that. You don't have to be pigeonholed into, a, you know, if you don't like corporate office, you like small companies, you could do it that way. Either way. Film companies are big corporations, too, you mm-hmm. know, so you could uh, transfer all of that. So for those of you that are listening, feel trapped in your job, you could change and keep your same skills. 
It's so true. I was just talking to a friend who I haven't talked to in a while, and I was just telling her, her her son is a lawyer. I was just telling her that you can pivot. There's one lawyer who's in my mastermind. I'm part of the, the mastermind I'm in. She left, you know, she was a partner. She left. She opened up a wine store, <laughs> right? <laughs> she did. And she found as she's going through this journey and going through masterminds that people do need, you know, especially podcasters like you or anyone in their own being an entrepreneur, you do need legal advice. You do need contracts. You do need to know the law and how to, she calls it bubble wrap your business. And so when you, when you think of that, she left this big pressured lawyering job to do something passionate, but now she's doing exactly what you said, something in her field of expertise, helping people, which she enjoys so much. And she's so knowledgeable. And, um, and she found it by accident. It seems and like. she, it's, it's, it's the walk, right? I'm, I am absolutely convinced that all the plans you could have in your head are just going to blow up in your face until you start taking that walk and just seeing how it, you know, unravels in front of you and opens up different opportunities. And then you go down different avenues. It's just, you have to take those steps forward. And, and I think that's what she ended up doing, right? To, to learn more about how to be an entrepreneur, she found out, oh, <laughs> I don't have to tuck away what I've been doing for years and years and years and years. I could actually layer that into part of my business. To me, everything is a journey. And any knowledge you have, you can always use. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Like I use my accounting. I mean, I do this podcasting. I used to be director of administration for a company, which is something that I never want to do again because it was too stressful. I use those management skills. I've used those management Mm. skills like almost my entire life. I use the accounting. And one of the things besides having legal advice in a business, you really have to know how to do accounting. Mm -hmm. I have worked Mm. at business management Mm -hmm. firms where people don't even look at it. And you hear these horror stories that then the people that do know about accounting take advantage. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to learn how to read a profit and loss. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to read a balance sheet and just understand that you don't have to know full on accounting, but understand it mm-hmm. so that you can protect yourself from being taken advantage of. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That could yeah. be your, that could be your uh, side gig right there. Cause you know how many entrepreneurs just look at their bank account and see where they're at. And that's not a good indication of where your money is or, or do they even talk about money? No. And then the thing about it also is that I've worked at companies. One of them, I found someone embezzled Mm. and I remember finding it and it was only $3,000 that I found, but I I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. How am I going to tell my boss? that this person embezzled this money. I had no idea how I was going to tell her. You have to be able to look at your own bank accounts and not mm-hmm. trust somebody else to do it without mm-hmm. looking at them. So she mm. could have called her and the embezzlement, the bank will only allow you to go back six months. Well, this mm-hmm. girl was doing it for over a year. She did go to jail. Oh wow! Um, at the end of the day, it was $95,000. She did go to jail. She's got that on her record. She can't get a job now. 
Oh, no. Who would trust her? (laughs) I know. (laughs) What a bad judge of character, right? I know. Stealing is like, that's it. You're done. From a nonprofit. That's a sad part, too, right? Yeah. And it was, and I am the one that found it. I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to tell her? It was really hard for me to tell her. I go, that $3,000 that we were questioning, it's nowhere to be found. And there was a bank account that was never closed that she used as her filtering. Mm-hmm. So people, if you have a business, look into your business. Everybody that I know that have, that has been embezzled upon didn't check. Yeah. Like one of my mentors said that he had to finally roll up his sleeves because his it was his best friend's father. <laughs> oh, and that's hard. Oh, man. It's always someone you like because mm-hmm. they got your trust. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. he he took, he said that he had, I don't someone knocked on his door. He was like in big trouble. Like, like he was in big trouble because this person, you know, embezzled his money. So. Yeah. He said at at one point in time, oh, I don't like numbers. I don't like to look at at the numbers. I need help with this. And and a lot of people feel that way because they don't like to talk about money. And that's one of the things, you know, because I'm on the other side. Right. So I'm a I've done a lot of sales training. So you have to look at the numbers and. It is just so critical that you learn that skill. You sit down and learn that skill. So there's, I think, Sonia, there's an opportunity you could just teach entrepreneurs just to like face the music, look at the spreadsheet. What is it telling you? You know, yeah, how, to, I told, how to create it and look at it. I, yeah, I, and, and, you know, and I worked for a business management firm and they didn't give the reports that came from an actual accounting program. They gave reports that they got from Excel. You could change anything in Excel. One of the partners was embezzling. And then the IRS came after the poor person because they he thought he was signing checks for the payroll. And that's the ones she was cashing for herself. <laughs> it's sad. I mean, you re- they are brilliant. They're so smart. And I remember working, I quit because that means that if they go down, I go down with them and I would be unboundable. And so I quit. Before I quit, I was telling the girl who was looking for these um, investments that she couldn't find any statements on. And but before that, I turned to her and I go, you know what? They don't make enough money to have an office with the amount of employees. I remember telling her, I go, they just how, how do they how are they making money? Because I was, they would give me like the spreadsheets and I would just type them out. And then she started questioning it. She quit too. It's like everybody like fled. Mm, fled. We didn't want to be part of that once we found out. So you do have to be careful. You do need to be proactive, even if you do it once a week. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, usually people tell you once a month. I do not give total control of my accounting to anybody. It needs to filter through me first, because if you get really busy, you don't really have enough time to do your own accounting. You need to hire somebody, but at the same time, let it filter through you. You get the statements 
and then you pass it on to them. Yeah, there's got to be oversight. That's yeah. all that means. That way you can look at the statements. Yeah. You have them because that's the biggest thing. People start looking for statements and the statements are going to a different address or they're doing this and that. Let it filter through you first. It's very easy because numbers scare people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, as I do my own accounting and sometimes I go, oh, I don't want to look at my bank account because I don't want to see that I don't have money. But I'm real good about paying my bills. I remember talking to somebody. I was in line for one of the SAG films. They go, oh, I hate paying bills. I go, not me. I love paying bills. I love paying bills because that means I have money. Mm-hmm. If I don't pay my bills, it means I don't have money. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind paying my bills. I, you know, <laughs> if I charge them, I'm happy to pay them. That means I have money. But anyway, we really went on a different thing on that one. This is a whole, this is a, a, a whole about financing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's your, that's a whole clip on financing and your, uh, how you start hooking up entrepreneurs to understand <laughs> yeah, second their business. The, and yeah, and then I'll do a, a different uh, podcast on a on just that. You know. Yeah, um, seriously, Sonia, that's that's some good stuff right there because I think it's. I don't think I know it's absolutely needed. Yeah, having like master class and training and just how to keep your shit together. Keep your shit together. That's that's what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep your shit together. I remember talking to uh, he, I guess he's, he's an attorney, but he specializes in embezzlements. He says, oh, yeah, they're the ones that are the most gregacious, gregacious. Am I saying that word right? People that you'll, you'll meet, they're fun, they're, you love hanging out with them. And he goes, and those are the ones. And not everybody's like this because I'm that way. And I'm, you call me, you know, what do you call me, Evelyn? Honest Abe. Honest Abe. To a fault. <laughs> to a fault. I know. <laughs> they tell me to be quiet sometimes. So that <laughs> it's like she she's an influential personality, but I swear to God, I you know, uh, she's gotta be a high C somewhere. She's a high you're a high C when it comes to obviously bookkeeping and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm a, um, I know I'm but it's there. so literal, like to the penny, it's painful. <laughs> Because the opposite, right? Like I'm influential and I just round up just like. <laughs> well, when you do accounting and you're and you have, you to, have, bad, to, be, yes. you have to be. You a have little to be anal. detailed. No, yeah, you, you do. Be- I agree wholeheartedly. So with and you're, that, you're good at that. And that's about basically the only thing I'm that detailed about, mm-hmm. you know, is accounting. And well, I'm a little detailed, you know, I remember that I was dating this one guy. And he opened the drawer and he would laugh because like all my underwear was folded and <laughs> all my socks were organized and he would just open each drawer just to laugh. I'm like, hey, that's not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> See, you have a lot of C in you. I, and it's <laughs> weird because I took that disc test and you were I, 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 I and right? S. Yeah. I I S. S. So people, people. Yeah, I'm a real people. Per- I love yeah. people, but I yeah. still need my my time to meditate and uh, quiet because I'm empathic too. And so are you, you mm. we feel what other people are feeling. And sometimes it's overwhelming um, those emotions, but going back to Chicago, because mm-hmm. I love Chicago. I, you know, if it wasn't for the weather, 
I'd probably still be in Chicago <laughs> because the weather is it's too hot in the summer and too cold in the winter. And but the people are are so much fun and they're mm-hmm. nice and there's this great energy there. And, um, you know, I used to love hanging around Michigan Avenue. We used to go to what was it? Walgreens had a restaurant like a diner mm-hmm. on the corner of Chicago Avenue and uh, Michigan. And we would go there for lunch and just the, the waitress already knew us. We would always have the chicken noodle soup or the chicken and rice soup with, you know, a slice of bread on the side. That was our lunch. That's funny. Cause that's like the old uh, Woolworths. Remember? Yeah. I used to work at Woolworths on yeah. Michigan Avenue. <laughs> they always had, all the way in the back, the the little restaurant, the little yeah, cafe. I, not really a cafe. It's more of a diner, right? Like it, a it diner. was a diner. Yeah, you mm-hmm. everybody sat around the the you know the stools. Mm-hmm. There were no tables. It was just around the for what guy would you call that? The counter. The counter. Yeah, counter yeah. seating. That yeah. was all they With had. Stools and milkshakes. I think they made milkshakes. Oh yeah, I they remember. made good milkshakes. Yeah, <laughs> I worked in the where the little fish were and the plants. And I was making terrariums. That's when they were busy then. Mm. And I just did it. You know, I would go to the toy department and buy, and get like the little soldiers and the little house. I would create like a war scene with the plants and the terrarium. And I just did it as a display and people wanted them. That's so funny. that ended up being my job. I, I ended up making like at least 10 of them. It's like, Sonia, we saw the last one you made. Make another one. I'm like, okay. And there was my, uh, I create like scenes within the terrarium. That is so cool. Yeah, it was very cool. I Um, never knew that. Yeah. And and I had fun doing that. And people were like, and the guy from the toy department, she goes, she keeps taking toys. She creates, she's creating, well, you have to sign out for them. And you know, that became a thing. So my boss says, I'll sign out for them. We'll pay for them from our department. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. I didn't know that. Too bad you didn't have uh, photos of that, right? I know. Like well, what the- you would at that time you had to carry an actual camera with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, just you know, um, Polaroid. <laughs> yeah, well, it's another camera. <laughs> another well, camera. I'll get the picture instantly is what I, I know. was saying. I did another one that was like a country scene. And it's like a farmer. So I did like a little patch was like little tiny plants. So it looked like they were growing something. And then you use a bigger plant to look like a tree. Those sold really well. That's so, awesome. See, yeah. your, your other side gig. I'm getting you all these side gigs. <laughs> <laughs> Creating a, scenes. Yeah, because you're, you know, you're, you're definitely creative and, and you can see that even in your youth, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I was mom taught me how to sew. Uh-huh. So it was also then I went into fashion after high school because mom taught me how to sew. I remember so I was, that. Uh-huh. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I remember that we didn't have I couldn't find fabric that was wide enough. Uh-huh. So I went to the store and bought a cheap pair of sheets, white sheets, because uh-huh. uh, you used to be able to just get the flat sheet. I mean, you could still find them, but most things are sets now. Uh-huh. And I used to buy like a big flat white sheet. And from there, I made my clothes. I wanted to make a wide skirt mm, and the uh-huh. fabric wasn't wide enough to make, you know, like a skirt. Because remember, I used to dance salsa. So uh-huh. when I did the spins, I wanted my dress to go, you know, uh-huh. to, to go up and stuff. And 
uh, more like the 50s style where it's very wide skirt. I went and got a sheet and it ended up being one of my favorite dresses. That's cool that you made that. You you were busy making clothes. I was busy like building ramps so I could jump off of them with my bike. (laughs) (laughs) I was with the boys in the alley, like building ramps and doing tomboy things. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny how we both got, even though I was always designing and stuff like that, I was like the girl that the guys would talk to. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the fact that they were talking to me to try to get to my to Maria or somebody else, you know, (laughs) but it was like, you know, the the guy's girl. Right. Uh, Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I was the tomboy. I had it was always with guys with Papo, which is our brother and, and, and his friends or or I used to go ice skating a lot. So it was. Oh, that's right. We used to there. go to commercial park. Yep, commercial park around the corner. They used to like throw, you know, a hose with water and it froze instantly because it was only below zero where we lived. <laughs> so and cold. then they would have the truck that ice uh, truck come in and like they do at the arenas. They oh, they would, they, they would, they would have that. Yeah. I, that's I how they got no a, idea that they had a, a Oh, are you a, kidding? A, they pull out. You would be falling all over the place. You I to have didn't know. Smooth. <laughs> I didn't know they had that. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, they would let it in and um, because it would have too many curves and people would hurt themselves. So they come in and they, I don't know, I guess it's like sands it down to make it then Zamboni, I think it puts down water and 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 then like then it kind of layers it. Yeah, I was doing something like that. Um, <laughs> this is the girls chat. You're going to have to go to the guys chat uh, <laughs> uh, under hockey to find out what exactly the Zamboni machine does. <laughs> so, yeah, and I didn't even know it was called that. So I just learned is... something right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a girl's version. It's a Zamboni machine, you know, that thing. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, we'll say Papel and Jose interchangeably. It's the same person. Papel's his nickname. But he was a hockey player. And we used to go and watch him play hockey. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered that he was like the big kid and they wanted him to be in like the adults. And my mom goes, I'm not letting. He's only like 12 years old in the adults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't keep it up, but he was very good at it. Yeah, I remember. I remember that was fun times. The ice skating is, was fun times. Yeah. I actually knew how to stand up on those things. <laughs> I knew how to stand up better on ice skates than I did on roller skates. Remember when roller skates was big? Yeah. And you yeah. go in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was terrible at it. And then rollerblading. What was yep. that, 90s? Yeah. That, <laughs> Everything well, had or, its decade. <laughs> well, it, it came later. I think mm-hmm. it was still with him because I would see people rollerblading in those uh, places. But mm. I had the four. I had the, you know, yeah. I, and I still wasn't getting that with the stoppers. And I still didn't know how to stop. And if you put the stoppers down to you, go, you fell forward. Oh, yeah. Don't do them both together. That would be tragic. Yeah. You do one foot. You put down. Yeah, you have to slow. drag it. Yeah. And I took lessons and I, I just sucked at it. I was so bad when I was a kid. I was really good on roller skates, but they were the kind you put your shoe into. Remember, mm-hmm. you had a roller skate mm-hmm. key. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm really dating myself now. <laughs> um, they had a, a roller skate key and you it's would like the, ele- the, the evolution of roller skates, skates. and roller blades. And we're back to roller 
roller skates, by the yeah, way. Yeah. And <laughs> I still have those roller skates that I used because I, I wrote the adventures of the yo-yo dieter was uh, mm. making fun of being on every single freaking diet under the sun. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the costume. So the go-go boots is part of the costumes. And I actually, you know, I, for those of you that don't know, go-go boots were made for very slim legs and I do not have slim legs. And so in order to do the part, I was rehearsing a solo show. So I bought some costuming. I bought go-go boots again. Those damn things still don't fit. <laughs> they, they never made them bigger. They're still mm-hmm. made for very narrow legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you do that you that you have? To no, like... I keep them. They're part of the costume uh, for the. the they were just tight on you. Is that what you're saying? No, or... I couldn't pass them. I uh, zip them up to my calf and then they won't pass my calf. Oh, <laughs> you still have the problem. I but still have the have... problem. You used to have the boot. What do you think? Your legs are going to like slim down. No, I thought that they would have advanced now to the the curvy. Yeah, because nowadays (laughs) they do make boots for every leg size. They really do. They they have narrow, medium. Now Mm -hmm. I wear medium, but Mm -hmm. they had narrow, medium and wide. Mm -hmm. So I thought I was wide. So I bought a pair of wide boots, but I feel like my legs are swimming in them. Yeah, I could. They're good for tucking your pants in. Like if you're oh, wearing gotcha. it over jeans, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. about it because they're too big on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you still have the go-go boots to this day? Is, I have. Well, is that the question? These are the go. No, I did. I recently bought them as part of the costume for I bought them a couple of years ago as part Got of the it. costuming for the adventures of the yo-yo dieter. And in that first book I did, you see my picture with the leg up and the boot not closing. Yeah, that those are, I see. I can. Yeah, those I, are, I bought it for that kind of stuff. I got it. That's awesome. Yeah. You know. Anything you want to discuss about your experiences in Chicago? Oh, my goodness. Um, we brought up the drill team. That was pretty interesting as a child. Um, I went to a commuter school for college. Right. So. What and- do you mean commuter school? Meaning that, you know, you didn't just, you had to commute in and out. Commuter oh. school. It's, it's the UIC versus going to, you know, University of Illinois at Champaign and staying in school, mm-hmm. you know, staying in dorms. So it's a commuter school. Oh, that's what um, I did too then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And did, did way, um, you know, you, and, and I did okay in school, but mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I, oh, I was just always thinking if I only applied myself, <laughs> like, you know, if I only applied myself, where, what else could I have learned? I didn't have that real wanting to learn everything at that moment in time. It was just like, I just, I just knew I needed a diploma and I just got by right through mm-hmm. school learning some, some topics. I just absolutely loved like psychology I really love that. I love math. Of course, I was really good at math, like what you mentioned before, mm-hmm. up until I got to calculus. And I swear, I don't know how many withdrawals. I think I <laughs> failed it once, maybe. I don't know. I, um, you know, uh, try to get out of it. I really attempted to learn that topic. It is just, 
it was just, um, it was really hard. I couldn't understand it. And I didn't know that I could have had a mentor. Like it didn't even, or a tutor or someone to help me with that. It just, I didn't have, I didn't put that together back then. Isn't that yeah. sad? I think it's yeah. sad. You enjoyed life because you were a big time partier. I was. And which, you which know what? Probably... That's something that <laughs> I think that it's great to go through too. I went to college to study fashion design and I even went to some of the community colleges, but I, it wasn't big for me to get a degree. And then I wanted a degree. I mean, I was always kind of a good student anyway. I, I studied a lot and I had good grades, but then I partied. It's like mm -hmm. school's here. I had worked really hard. Then I want to go and party. I think you partied hard, uh, harder than I did. <laughs> I was up late nights. Yep. So I would say that. Um, and it was going out dancing, really. Yeah, me too. Going and out dancing. It wasn't like, you know, or, just drunk and drugs in the corner. Oh, right. It, it was mostly going out and with my friends and um, to clubs dancing, basically. So I did the same thing. But yeah, but in Chicago, you stayed out late. You know, the bars yeah, the, were open till four. Exactly. Five exactly. on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, well, we would stay. We would go out dancing. And then we, I had school. I don't even know how I did this because I would go to school, go to work for like two or three hours. Cause you know, you work like till five, you get out at two, you work a few hours. I would walk to work cause it was right up the street. Then I studied and then I went out at night and we would come home and my makeup, we just like, and we would sleep like a dead person <laughs> because it, we knew we had to get up early to go back to school. I don't even know how I did it. I mean, that yeah imagine if you had a good night's sleep okay kids this is for you <laughs> imagine if you have a good night's sleep do you use some of that time to study i mean i know you need social time but it's i think it's based on your personality right and what's yeah. important and getting that out of your system but i i don't know if it's gary v he said like you know don't waste your 20s <laughs> and that's what the majority of us have done in the past, right? I mean, I guess we could reflect upon it now and say, don't waste your 20s. But I mean, how many people have, right? How many people party through school? How many people, you know? Yeah, I think that uh, I did both. Hmm. In my late 20s is when I was director of administration. And that's when I worked really hard. But at the same time, that's also at the time, earlier than that, I was recording Bob Casali from Devo did my demo, worked on my demo with me. And so I was doing that. And, and that job paid for that studio time and to sure. these guys. Sure. So I had both, but I was tired. Mm. It, it was a lot of work because I remember only being able to afford, even though I was making good money, I was only able to afford the midnight shift or the graveyard shift at the studio. Mm. And you, know, you have to pay the engineer, you pay. And so it was like, you know, I think 10 to two in the morning is when we went, we, we did it. So, and then I had to go to work the next day. You know, I use professional musicians and they didn't have to go to work the next day. They could sleep in, but I had to go to work the next day. Sometimes while I was there and it wasn't me having a sing or anything, and they were recording. I would sleep on the sofa until they were. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. 
yeah I was here in LA it was it was exhausting but that's why I said I don't I'm a creative person that I've that I've made myself be more business but there are things that I learned in business that I will always it helped in my in my mm-hmm. life you know mm-hmm. like I am saved that I know accounting I'm saved that I know about management and business. I'm saved that I know a little bit about legal and what I don't know, I look up. But otherwise, you know, I I think those are good things that came because I'm one of those people that's very creative in different facets. And I, you know, you need to make money somewhere and you can use this knowledge in your creativity. That's what it's all about. What's Mm -hmm. what TikTok is doing now um, and letting people use, you know, creative content gets the, it gets shared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The raw creative content right now on TikTok is getting shared. And so people need to pivot from like, you know, the good studio and beautiful pictures and stuff like that, or doing whatever their strategy was to just talking, just like a podcast, just like this, telling stories, you know? Right. And I got into podcasting because, and I started with Poetic Resurrection. I wanted to give back. And my personality is liking to talk to people. It was in the middle of the pandemic. I didn't necessarily want to go out and be in a crowd Mm -hmm. and talk to people then. And also, you know, I've worked at radio stations before and I did not have the voice because you think you have to have a certain voice to be on radio. And that was true for a long time. You had to have a certain type of voice. And I do not have I have an interesting voice, but I don't have a radio voice. And so this is like also filling in another thing that I like. And, you know, go out there, whatever your dream is, just follow it. Yeah, it doesn't, the stereotype has been like blown to pieces. Yeah. Like that has been like, you could start a new career at 50, 60, 70. Who, it doesn't even matter. It really doesn't matter. There's an audience for you. Yes. You know, they're out there for sure. Yeah. And Um, I feel I'm super creative now. And, you know, it doesn't mean that as you get older, you're not creative. You could be very creative throughout mm-hmm. your entire life. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, what I it's just don't wait. Like, yeah, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Just do it. Even as a, a little side gig. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many people that um, there was one guy that used to love doing woodworking and he would just do it on his spare time. And then people started saying, wow, can you make something for me? That's really good. And that's how his business. And it was something he mm-hmm. did on the weekends as a side job because he loved doing it, not because anything like that. And he it ended up being a business and he ended up quitting. He was a contractor anyway, but that was his like favorite thing to do mm-hmm. is woodworking. It just he, now he incorporates more with that when he does have a job and people buy his stuff. It creates furniture and everything. Awesome. Yeah. Follow your heart. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, I think we're going to close off this episode of Chica and the woman. Hey, yes. <laughs> And uh, Alex and I will be back next month and have a wonderful month. Sending many blessings. Follow your dreams. Yeah. And thank you, Alex, for for letting me sit in your seat, though. I don't even know you yet. And I will meet (laughs) you one day. I promise. (laughs) All right. Have a good one. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. 
You've been listening to Chica and the man. I'm the man, Alex Greenwood. And I am Chica, Sonia Iris Lozada. And we'll catch you next time right here on Chica and the man.